Welcome to In Conversation, brought to you by Agnes Intelligence, an applied artificial intelligence company. We offer real-world solutions to real people. In Conversation is a platform for interesting individuals from all walks of life to bring their unique perspective to the larger community. This is our next conversation, In Conversation with May Chen Contino, and she is the CEO of Hello Sponsor. So welcome, May. Thank yeah, you for thank coming. You. Oh, no, thank you for inviting me. Oh, this is of awesome. course. I know. We're we're in the Lower East Side just hanging out. It's a pretty cool space here. Yeah, yeah. I was commenting earlier on how cool our chairs were. So. <laughs> yeah, right? I know. <laughs> cool there... chairs, nice water. Things are good. Visualize it. <laughs> the coolest chair you yeah. can imagine. Visualize that. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys want to know, the chairs are orange and black. They're kind of like this space-themed disco, I think you said before. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, they're pretty cool. <laughs> they're pretty cool. Pretty comfy. So, all right, let's start off. How did you become the CEO at Hello Sponsor? Oh, yeah, great question. So the SparkNotes version of that is <laughs> <laughs> approximately a year and a half ago now, maybe a little bit more, the, the ex-CEO, who's current like other founder, co-founder, slash president of the company, he reached out because he was building his product, kind of filling out his strategy. And the funny thing is we actually went to high school together oh. and lived like two or three blocks away from each other, but just didn't, he was in a grade above me, so he right. didn't really hang out, like wasn't cool, you know, to like intermingle oh, yeah. grades. Yeah. So <laughs> reached out to me like a year and a half ago on LinkedIn and just was like, hey, how's it going? I'm building this cool product. It's called Hello Sponsor. It's in the event space and I'm trying to figure out like sales and marketing. I see you have like a lot of background in this and you're currently doing some marketing yourself you mind if we just like chat I'd love your feedback I was like oh for a fellow alum right absolutely why not let's even if you were in the grade ahead of me exactly even if I thought you were jerk in high school (laughs) (laughs) I did not think that but (laughs) like for the record I know that this is going on a podcast I did not think Greg if you can hear me I'm I'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) so in our chat, he kind of showed me the product, explained where he was and where he wanted to go. And I thought the product was just brilliant. He's huh. like, I've built this dashboard for originally B2C type customers to manage their incoming requests. But I have a feeling that B2B customers would actually have more value in this in terms of event management and actually reporting and analytics, which is oh, crucial. Yeah. So he was just kind of like, what do you think? And I was like, honestly, from when I looked at your product, I didn't see anything about the b2c world all i saw was my lens of b2b which was my background of like ebay and paypal with like different levels like marketplace e-commerce and then sales ops and sales support and marketing was like this is a brilliant product and this fits the b2b market you should connect it with every sales and marketing tool and let this be like a powerhouse so had a great conversation we talked about the event space in general and some cool ideas and he was like hey you know what you've got some interesting points you want to just write some blog content for me I was like, yeah, sure. I'll why become not? A, a blogger. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. was like, yeah, I'd love to freelance for you. Pay me a little bit of money and I'll pop yeah. some blogs yeah. out. Yeah, woo-hoo. Like, pay me a little bit more. I'll do whatever you want. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> He's like, we get crazy over here. <laughs> <laughs> so it started out with just me writing some content for him. And I guess he liked the content. And then what was funny was right about halfway through that engagement, um, I was just like in this whole flipped universe. I was like, I was switching jobs at the time. I was moving apartments. Like a lot of stuff was going on in my personal life. So yeah. I was like, you know what? Like, so sorry, Greg, but like I need time to just like reset my life. I'm going through this big transition. I don't have any time to focus anywhere else. So like, if you don't mind, I'd love to circle back with you. I think you're wonderful. Your product's wonderful. But like, I I just really need to figure out what I'm doing right, right. now. And he Some was- Some me time. Exactly. Yeah. Just, there was so much going on. So sure enough, he was- so cool. And he was like, oh, I totally get it. I completely respect that. Let's circle back later. I'll be sure to reach out. And I was like, oh, my God. 
It's never going to reach out again. He thinks I'm a total jerk. I like stop in the middle of my like blogging engagement. That response was too nice, Greg. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, God, he hates (laughs) me. This is it. (laughs) And then like sure enough to like almost a year later to that time we first spoke, he reached out. I was like, hey, man, how's it going? I was like, whoa, never thought I'd hear from you again. Like, This is so cool. And he, I was like, what's up? Tell me about the product. What's going on? And he was just like, well, built the product. It's awesome. We have a bunch of customers who are paying us real money. It's awesome. We have revenue. We have a great strategy. And now I'm kind of realizing it's like the next frontier. And I realized that I really was excited about getting the place of product and the company from A to B. But I don't want to go from B to C because I really need a strong CEO and a strong operator who's going to just scale the business up for growth. And I was like, cool, cool. So I'm going to hook you up with people in the network? Yeah, or like what, more what blog you, posts. Yeah, I was like, what, what's up, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, well, I'm looking for somebody who's got a strong, you know, enterprise, B2B, sales and marketing background, has some experience in the event space. You know anyone who's like that? I was like, oh, no, wait, one? <laughs> like, is this a trick question? <laughs> like, am I being filmed right yeah, now? Exactly. I, was like, wait, I, know, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I've been had. <laughs> so sure enough, we just started chatting, having building on a plan, seeing if it was the right fit. It just made perfect sense. And then Amazing. fast forward, here I am today. <laughs> wow. So is he still involved in the company? Or yeah, is yeah. More? exactly. Okay. He's still the active like founder as well as we're just shifting his role to kind of that more strategic side of it. Oh. But he's definitely staying involved and he's excited about the transition and we think this is a good fit from both of our skill sets this makes right kind of sense amazing and actually i realized some people even though they should may not know what hello sponsor is so do you want to give a little spiel about what you guys do and what your product is yes great point and good question (laughs) good good time for a plug (laughs) exactly like so (laughs) so hello sponsor is a event management and reporting software it's a SaaS based technology so basically what it does, it helps brand sponsors and different facets of event marketers, field marketers, event managers get their incoming requests from inbound sponsorships or any kind of request management into project and task management with mm-hmm. actually planning and executing their events so that, you know, all the booths show up on time, all the napkins are ordered, all your graphic design is printed. And then finally, when the event is done... Recap. So recapping all the critical pieces of data that's often fall flat on the floor at the end of a big event. Right. So number of leads or brand impact or number of impressions or just opportunities influence all those critical pieces of information, as well as some like softer pieces of information that are harder to track. A good example would be like, was the city location right for my buyer base or was my mm. booth placement good for our booth traffic, which is for an event marketer, critical pieces of data year over year to improve and scale. Right, especially which, if it's repeat events. Exactly. Like if it's the same event yeah. at either a different location or just your booth, like same exact location, but your booth moved. Right. And then all of a sudden, year last year, you had an awesome event, great leads, great traffic. Year two, you're like, wait, we, we just moved a, you know to the corner here and now no one is stopping by. This show was a disaster because we had you know, expected 100 new leads and we got 10. Why? So like some of that information that just isn't tracked, there's no way to, I guess, put any analysis behind it today from just like a static Excel sheet or in someone's notebook or whatever. Like wherever It's always a notebook. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Where it's just like living in somewhere random, like putting that into an organized universe so that we on the back end have reporting analytics and explanations as to why year over year your events were doing well or maybe they weren't or how can you spend more money at the shows that were doing the best or spend less money at the shows that were most impactful for you based on these metrics. So, so cool. 
It's fun. And I think incredibly useful for various types of industries and companies. Like everyone is going to have an event. So hopefully. Why not? (laughs) Yeah. That's our understanding. (laughs) We should have an event. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, maybe we should use you guys too. Hey, I was talking to John about that. I think that's okay. (laughs) Well, we'll, we can talk about that later. So do you think that your journey to becoming the CEO was a direct route based on your previous knowledge. I know you had just said, you know, it made sense that your skill set brought you to this, but do you think that you kind of knew what you were going to get into outside of college and, and your career made sense or was it kind of like here, there, everywhere, more of a circuitous kind of journey? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. It was, it, I feel like no direct path whatsoever. <laughs> like I remember when I was like a little girl, I was like, I'm going to be a vet or a chef. It's oh, going to be always. awesome. And I, I also like, thought I was going to be a exa- vet. Yeah, exactly. I was mm-hmm. I'm going to help all the animals and I can't wait. Right. And of course that didn't pan out. Right. And then in college, I had a totally different major where I was in the journalism school majoring in advertising, focusing on marketing and a whole different more of a creative business piece of strategy. And then Through my career, what was very, very strange was that I started out being like, I really want to be in marketing. I really want to be in some sort of marketing, advertising kind of role. So took that as a consultative path, or rather like as a freelancer, initially out of college, started my own like graphic design business, offered a few services. Some friends would just be like, oh, hey, I'll give you 400 bucks to design me a logo. And I was like, sweet, 400 bucks. (laughs) Like little did I know there would be like way more than 400 bucks anywhere else. So it was just like, I, as I started working and just trying to feel things out, I had an opportunity to be an event planner, event manager at PayPal. Somebody was going on maternity leave. I was for hire and I knew some people in the network. So it was like, hey, like, um, why don't you just give this a shot? It's a job. You'll be right. make money. It's a good company. Just like contract it out and see where it goes. And I was like, Ugh, I don't really ever thought I would do this. I don't really know if I want to, but I need money, I guess. I'm right. like fresh out of college. What am I going to do? So took the role and then found like it was just so frustrating every day where it was hyper detail oriented. Mm. There was no support. There was no technology. There was no process. And I was like, this is so painful. So literally after a few months, I was like, how can I get out of this job as quickly as possible? Oh, man. And then funny thing happened was I got stuck in it for probably another two and a half to three years almost just because it was like. It was a need, and I had a skill, and, and other totally. Co- and then eBay hired me, and then I had other consult. It was just like, oh well, I guess I'm making money, but I hate doing this because there's just it's not a good way to run this role, right? So then after that, had a different opportunity from another colleague to do sales operations. I was like, oh, another job I don't want to do. I don't want to learn sales operations. I don't want to learn, you know, how to run an admin system for a CRM, and I don't want to do all this different kind of stuff, like. I don't, I, it's a good job and it's good money. It's a good change, but it's not what I want. Right. And I was like, ugh, this is terrible. So again, took it because I was like, let me just try something new. <laughs> this is terrible, but sure, I'll do exactly. it. Exactly. I was like, anything <laughs> is better than what I'm doing. Let me just try something new. So then after doing that for another few years, I was like, ah, I kind of like this strategy and operations side. I didn't think I would, but I actually do. And then kind of got a groove there. And then after that piece, had an opportunity to finally get back to marketing. And I was like, yes. I'm this is back. what I want. This is what I've always wanted. Yeah. So finally got back to marketing. was like, I'm back on track after all these years, after all this, you know, hard work doing random stuff I didn't want to do. So then did that, really loved it, but realized because I had this background of one, the event marketing and sales ops, I had other skills, which in my marketing was a huge benefit. Because mm. one thing that I sort of joke about, but is also like a serious thing that happened, is that being a good Salesforce admin at the few different companies I was able to look at our marketing funnel. We create a strategy in different campaigns. 
and then do some great lead gen. And oftentimes with marketing teams, you hand that off to sales ops or it gets into an active pipeline with a sales team. Right. And you don't know what happens to your leads. Right. You're like, I warned up all these awesome leads. Like, where did they go? I thought I was kicking ass. Turns out all my leads never even got to a demo, the sales right. rep. So being also on the ops side at like another different startup after my tenure at like big corporate was I was also adminning their sales force. So I was like, I can create all the port reports that I need to both look at our marketing funnel as well as active sales pipelines. And I was on all the weekly sales calls with our right. sales team to hear what was happening with the leads. And like actually see both sides of it. Exactly. And I, so then I was hearing pushback from sales or simply that they just weren't following up or that they needed better help or more marketing support. And it was a totally different universe where I was seeing the end to end, which I was like, oh, this is going to help our marketing team being involved in the sales process, even in the sales operational side. If if our marketing isn't doing a good job, we need to track something. I can put in a field in Salesforce for the sales team to actually understand what needs to be tracked and then start right. getting our data. And likewise, if they're missing some content, we can build it, send it back to them, goes out to their clients or prospects. It's like a completely synchronous, like, you know, perfect universe, essentially. Right. So in that, I was like, wow, I really love doing more than one thing, doing a lot of random stuff, had a few different career tracks, and then started to see this kind of bridging the gap where the holes were between two really key pieces of a business. And then after doing a few things for all that time, finally, when I was talking to Greg, he made a really funny comment because when he, we were in, was interviewing with him, I was like, you know, Greg, first time CEO, like, I know some stuff, but like, I've never run a company before. Like, are you sure this is the right decision? And he was like, well, here's the skill set that I need. I want somebody who's familiar with the industry. I want somebody who understands the real pain points of event marketers on the ground, which you get. Two, I need someone who's sharp in sales and sharp in marketing and realizing that there is kind of a bridge between the two. So even though you think all the stuff you've been doing is random and like kind of chaotic and you just fell backwards into all these jobs, you've been kind of doing founder training for right. this role. He's it's like, like now, the most relevant you could get. Literally. And I was like, <laughs> I've never thought of that before. All this time I was like, I'm just doing random stuff. I hope right. something works out. And of course, in my mind, I was like, I'd love to start a company one day. And that was a real goal of mine. But it was just like, how can I start a company by doing all these random things? I'm not going any direction right. versus I had no idea that I was building a foundation for what I needed on the other side. So. CEO and training the yeah. entire time. But yeah. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> Amazing. So, mm -hmm. Amazing. And what do you think is the most interesting you've, thing you've learned at Hello Sponsor so far? Oh, that could be anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't say there's definitely not one definitive thing. I would say every day. I learned something exciting and interesting talking to our customers and our prospects. Because, like, they, one thing I learned that was interesting, that was not necessarily a good thing. One, generally speaking, event marketing and event management as an industry and for those roles has not changed since I did that job, like, almost 10 years ago. Really? Yeah. It's, it's basically the same processes, the same to-dos, the same players in the industry for the most part. And there's been, like, advancements in different types of, like, you know, event things and different kind of custom events. and new technologies have like kind of branched out around event marketing to help it, but there is no direct impactful thing that's really helped an event manager. For example, all those event managers, or when I was doing that role, I lived in like Excel spreadsheets and manila right. folders and lists and this and that. And color every, coding. Exactly. Color yeah. coding highlighters, a million backpacks of uh -huh. like stuff with paper. And now I'm talking to the same very smart, savvy event. And she's like, yeah, I, I live in spreadsheets. I'm like, what? 
Wow. Hey, there's a better way. Yeah, there's a better way. So that like blew my mind. And then now hearing a larger perspective from all of our customers in terms of how they run their events or the best practices, they've literally like hacked together. They're all like their own little CEOs of events or founders of events right. creating these universes where they just have limited access and limited support and they're just underserved. And I'm like, these people are amazing. What a brilliant idea to solve that revenue problem or solve that report. I wish I'd thought about that. Maybe I... Maybe we put it in the tool and actually make it a standard function so everyone can benefit from it. Right. So definitely cool stuff every day. That's awesome. And what do you think is the best piece of work advice you've ever received? Oh, yeah. The, hands down, I think that I was just giving this advice to my younger brother, too. Oh, amazing. Is, yeah, so so you're like, like, it actually is applicable, I yeah, swear. Yeah, exactly. I definitely <laughs> feel this is a real thing. Is <laughs> that a, a good boss is better than a good job. That is, I feel like, been the most, like, in Evan, in my earlier story of all the stuff I kind of ran into, it was like, I want, I was very focused on getting the perfect job. Like, right out of college, you're like, I need to land that perfect job, that one thing I, like, really want to do. Or if I was in, you know, working in advertising, if I just could land at a big firm on Madison Avenue, I'd, I'd be killing it over there. And I was trying to force it and force it and force it. And then when that wasn't working, and then these opportunities kind of just sprung up, and then... I met other colleagues and the people in the industry and they happened to like me and wanted to help me. And they're like, come on, work for me or come over here. Every time I made the decision to just be like, I like this person. I don't want this job. Let me just give it a shot has been the right decision. Right. And the times where I ended up on teams or took a role where I just was something I really wanted based on the job, even though I ignored like the red flags of ah, the manager seems kind of. Not so great. Yeah, not or sure micro, about that Yeah, person. it sounds kind of awful. And the team seems like they don't really like me. Or the environment is not so good. Anytime I've been in that environment, hands down, was a terrible decision. It was like almost a, a total career risking move where I just was trying to force myself in to something that was, wasn't a supportive environment versus being with somebody who wanted to help you mentor and grow, especially at a younger age, was, I thought, I think to this day critical in terms of any career success I've had. Right. And yeah, I mean, I think... That, of course, makes so much sense because it's like the people are what going to are who are going to motivate you to want to do better or do differently or mm -hmm. something. And it's just if you're in kind of a dead end job, you're with these amazing people. It's kind of like, well, this job may not be great, but I have I'm surrounded by wonderful people who really know what's going on. So. Yeah, exactly. It's just listening to what they're like in order to level up past school. It's about being in those meetings with the people who are smarter than you or more or wiser than you, older than you, more experienced than you and letting them bring you into their thoughts, like thoughts and mentality and perspective. And that helps you grow and level up. Yeah. If you're just doing a job every day in a silo, how do you possibly grow from that without support from somebody who's actively wanting you to grow? Yeah. And that's actually a perfect segue to my next question, <laughs> which is, do you have a mentor or someone in your life who you felt or has really, you know, had a great impact on your career and your life and, and why that is? Yeah, that's a good question. Also a tough question. I feel yeah. like there's been so many people in my life who have been really impactful and important, especially like pivotal moments of like, do I do X or Y and what do I do? And it like happened to have made the right decision or even the wrong decision. But I feel like this is maybe cliche or cheesy. <laughs> the number one mentor in my life is hands down my father. So oh, that's not cliche or cheesy. That's very <laughs> sweet. I, just, I know everyone's like, oh, of course it's your dad. No, but like he's just, he's just the man. Like the guy is the smartest person I know. He has so many different degrees. He went to RPI. Then he got a law degree from like NYU and also one from Maryland. And oh then he's, so he's an aeronautical engineer and a lawyer. And now he's like, <laughs> has a CPA degree and does real estate. He does a million things. I don't know 
possibly how anyone can do so many things wow. and have so many degrees. Exactly. And then he's just like the most, he has the strongest moral compass of any human being I've ever met. Like it's black and white. Your word is your bond. You do the right thing. And at the end of the day, good things will come. And every time I've had a problem or I was concerned about something that didn't feel right, but it seemed like a really good opportunity or just anything that I thought like, ah, oh, I just don't know what to do. I need someone to just give me a perspective, an idea. I've always gone to him. And his advice, I think, has quite literally and figuratively saved my life on so many occasions of just, what do you think, Dad? What do I do? I really want it. This sounds cool, but I know there's this big risk. Or this is a huge risk, but I feel strongly, should I go for it? And he gives me his honest feedback either way. So, wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of amazing to have a mentor who is also someone who's kind of in your life no matter what, yeah, right? Exactly. They can't really say, like, see you later or this right, ain't going to work right. out. I mean, that's pretty fantastic yeah, that you have that. <laughs> yeah. So, and to, to pivot a little bit, you know, there's a lot of a conversation right now about women in tech and particularly executives in tech and how or could you share an experience of yours about being a woman in tech and a women executive specifically in tech and has that been impactful in your life? Yeah yeah I think that's a great question. So what's funny is that me growing up in New York City which was awesome I felt like the the thing that's funny is I was the opposite bubble where I remember sitting um, in my like sixth grade history class or something, we're talking about like the Civil War and then racism, et cetera. And I was talking to my friend. I was like, whoa, can you imagine there was racism here in America like 50 years ago? So recent, right? Oh, yeah. I can't believe only 50 years ago. Like like little right. bubble. <laughs> right. So obviously I grew up and then went to college in North Carolina and was like, wait a minute. <laughs> like so it was a totally different perspective where I felt like Everyone was equal. Being a female was not lesser than a man. Being a different color, race, anything was never lesser than. And then growing up, finding that the rest of the world didn't see that way was honestly a big shock to me when I was a young girl. So then moving into a very heavily male-dominated industry became even more and more prevalent. I was like, like, even working at really great enduring companies, like when I had the opportunity to work at eBay, it was awesome. Our our, uh, executive leadership team, I thought, were were great and smart and wonderful, but they were just one woman and only one of color. And that was the same one woman. Right. And I was like, and she, I thought, was just a rock star. She was the CMO at the time of eBay. And she just was like, had this compelling and brilliant presence. Everything she said was poetic. And she was just this like force to be reckoned with. And I was like, how can this woman who just dazzles me, not for because she's a woman, because she's an amazing person, over some of our other executive team, how are there not more women like that? And then how come it's like, like, are they, is it because they they just aren't those women or they're not given the opportunity or is it harder for them? And then kind of going up through the ranks in tech myself, I realized it really was a lot harder. Or, you know, even in hiring, like, it's funny being on the hiring perspective when you're discussing a woman versus a man and then a male executive at the time would ask like, well, what about personality-wise? You think she's a crier? You th- I was like, what? <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. like, is she emotional? I was like, maybe he's emotional. Maybe he's a crier. Maybe it's Just good like, to have a little emotional intelligence sometimes right, in maybe, a job. Right, maybe yeah. just some roles would be a better fit for that. Right. Just like those little subtle things where I was like, that's an interesting perspective. Like, it's not something I would have thought of, but then hearing it about it, like, those are challenges that women have to overcome. Right. And, like, right now I feel like what's so, I hope is what's happening and what I find very interesting is that, like, I see a lot more support 
for women, especially in technology, which I think is fantastic. It's very exciting to be, I think, a part of that world, either by accident or on purpose or whatever it was. Right. And then I feel like for that support and through just kind of perspective shift as a whole, like before it was men were expected to lead and expected to run the companies and to do all this great stuff. And when they did a good job, it was like, oh, good job. You fulfilled your duty. If a woman stepped up and did it, it was like, whoa, I can't, I can't believe this. You're a woman and you're smart and you're doing a good job. Like, no How way. How could you do all those things at once? Right, exactly. Yeah. And it was like a compliment. Like, oh, my God, I'm shocked you've been able to achieve this. This is amazing. And right. it was just like a, a happy surprise or sometimes an unhappy surprise for, you know. Whoever some, else like, was yeah, in that space. Those yeah. a-holes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, exactly. So it was like, I feel like now if we just keep supporting each other and obviously focusing on not women in tech because they're women and because you're a woman in technology, you should just be welcome into this group of like women in tech. But because you're a kick-ass, super smart human being and you're doing something very awesome and very complex and noble and brave, same as what a man is doing, and you just happen to be a woman in technology and then kind of merging the two of like not highlighting women for the sake of being women, but the sake because they're just smart like any other human being and then shifting that perspective of, you know what, like, I'm not amazed you're doing this. I expected you to do this because I've always known you've been a kick-ass person and you happen to be female and now you're the CEO of X company and I could have, I never would have believed that anyone else but you was going to do this. So I completely expected it. So Here, here. If I had a glass of wine or something, I would totally right, cheers, cheers you. Yeah, I'm exactly. like, maybe after this. No, I'm, I'm with you and I think it's so important to have that viewpoint because yeah. so many people do not. I mean, crazily yes. enough, there are still so many people who just don't get it. I totally agree. Or just even the strange commentary, which I feel like I see almost as like memes on social media. And I'm like, that doesn't exist. And then I hear it. I'm like, oh, my God, people do say that. That's right. It's messed up. <laughs> like, wow, those memes actually originate somewhere. Real. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who knew where those came from? Oh, my God, my life. Yep. Yeah, it's, yep. it's crazy. So do you see and or in what fields do you see change in technology coming? And, and why do you think those are important? Yeah, good question. So... From my perspective, I feel like it's definitely a huge shift, which is not that recent, but into data, but more specifically into analytics side of data. So reporting okay. analytics and then total interconnectivity and integration. So what I mean by that is that kind of the first step of that whole process was like people were like, we want data. We want a lot of data. Let's just get all of the data because there's no way to like centralize anything or it is not living in one database. Let's just get all the information that exists in the world. And they got all the information. They're like, oh, now we have all this data. What do we do on this? Let's report on it. Let's just report out data. Like, okay, so here's like, you know, I have 10 things and then I get X report about these 10 things. Cool. Well, what's the next level? Analysis. Like, how do I take the human element of analysis and be like, you know what? I have all this data. I have all these cool reports. What does that mean? What are the trends and what are the patterns? And I feel like right now for a lot of big tech companies or any size tech company, it's all about that piece, that analysis of like, how do we have the same access to data as everyone else, but how do we tell the story better or report back better stuff on this data? And then the other final piece is that how do we do it faster and how do we do it better? And to me, that's kind of, you guys are doing artificial intelligence, machine learning. Everybody wants their data analyzed faster, better, smarter. And then the last piece is interconnectivity, where I feel like is a much broader topic of like, you know, everyone's like, one world, a connected world, or omni-channel, omni-everything, where everything is becoming connected, I feel like that's trickling down into actual software where before you would build a software application and it was amazing and people would use it. But now what's critical 
is if your software application implements with all the other software right. applications everyone else is using. Because if it doesn't, and you can't connect all your pieces together, how do you get good or better analysis on it? So to me, it's like the connectivity frontier of all these separate pieces that now are forced to become one to get ahead to have better analysis or whatever it is. Yeah, and I think that's totally true with this idea of doing things more efficiently and effectively. Like being able to just mm -hmm. connect things pretty seamlessly is huge when it comes to that. Because if yes. you're trying to use seven different applications and you have to switch browsers or do whatever in order to do so, you're, it's not going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Because then everyone's like, there's an app for everything. Like, that's great. But there's an app, if I have to do one thing, I need 10 apps to do it. Like, right. Seems extreme. Right. And <laughs> so also seems like it's going to take a really long time to do it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Process for the sake of process. Oh, yeah. No one likes that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what's your favorite technology that you use? Ooh, in terms of like an actual thing or a software? Or? However however you want to interpret it. Oh, interesting question. I'm, I'm leaving that up to you. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely a question I had for or, you. Or like, you can do both. You can also answer ooh. as if, if that is something you would prefer. All right. We'll take I'll, both. I'll take both. I'll, I'll accept that. <laughs> Uh, so, Challenge accepted. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll say this is this is a strange answer, but in terms of actual technology, I don't know who would. Well, maybe some people would disagree. Is my phone, but there's yeah. a reason. So I was like waxing poetic recently with a friend, maybe over a glass of wine or two. I don't know. But I hard was, to say. Yeah, hard to say. <laughs> but I was recently just I was talking to my friend, and we were having like fun, just hanging out, having a meal. And then she was asking me some questions. Oh, are you free on next day? Should we book dinner? And just like regular conversation you have with your friends that's like, oh, yeah, 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 let me check my calendar. Blah, blah. So while we're chatting and having a good time, she's like, oh, check right now, check right now, pick up my phone, which I hate to do when I'm with friends. Yep, but she I'm was with like, you on that. Right. I'm yeah. always like, put it away. Yeah, don't under pick the it table. Up. Exactly. We're having your bag. Uh, yeah, same thing. Exactly. exactly. Mm -hmm. But I think in this instance, because she was adamant about like, oh, take out your phone. Come on, let's just figure things out. I was yeah. like, oh, okay. So as I'm talking and multitasking, she's like, okay, check your calendar. And on my calendar, which I notice every time I open my calendar, I have like 20 different calendars that are synced to one calendar, which in a world where I had 20 separate calendars is a nightmare. Right. But in the world where I have one calendar and everything synced in terms of our interconnectivity, I was like, oh, I'm always like amazed when I have all my calendars in one place, especially when they're work and personal overlap. Because oh, you yeah. definitely can't put them together, but you want to oh, yeah. see them. And then she was like, Oh, are you free next day? Yes, I'm free next day. Oh, let's book dinner. Where do you want to go? What neighborhood are you in? Open up, you know, open table, open up another app. I'm quickly browsing through. How about this place at this time? Perfect. Booking it. And then I'm like on my other apps checking. And I'm just like, whoa, how did I, before my phone or before any kind of technology period, like how did anyone just check if they could hang out with their friend or anyone right. have a meeting or coordinate literally any kind like of months task? Months in or, advance you have to do any of that. Exactly. To send like a pigeon to go to the restaurant to the right. one I want to book for dinner at 7 p.m. next Tuesday. And then they like, lose the pigeon and you're like, shoot, I'm never yeah. going to get there. Exactly. Yeah. So I feel like a, the point of that story is more that like, I love my phone because everyone loves their phone, but it's more in terms of like, where we are today, like, I feel like a lot of young people, which, of course, I'm not certainly, like, oh, 80, I remember I walked 15, you know, miles in the snow to school. <laughs> I just want to point out that you kind of looked like you had a cane right there yeah, when you exactly, said that. You exactly. could kind of put your hand out like shaking, you. like, oh, God, this cane is so heavy. So it was just, like, the speed of technology and access we have today and the level of advancement the world has at our fingertips just is mind-blowing. And also it makes me excited to be in the space that, is about technology and innovation and advancing society or connecting the world. Like, it's really, really cool and, like, you know, a sheer miracle how we've gotten to this point in society today. It is. It really is. And it is pretty crazy, the ability to just 
look anything up or yes. find any piece of information you may or may not need, but you at least have the ability to do so. It is a pretty amazing thing. Yep. I totally agree with that. Yeah. So what are your, and I know you said before that you had this piece of work advice, but what are your go-to words of wisdom? Like something, <laughs> it, it can be work-related if you want, but just like life words of wisdom, advice, what, what would you say are yours? Yeah, yeah. I actually have one that I'm not sure if I'm allowed to curse, but I guess You can definitely fine. curse. Okay, good. Just we checking. can always bleep it out, but we yeah. won't bleep perfect, it out. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so there's actually two, two kind of answers to that. One, it's like, <laughs> the story as to the word of wisdom is I am actually an instructor of Krav Maga. Ooh. Super fun. It's an Israeli self-defense. It's purely self-defense. It's for, like, protection. So if anybody, in the way I think of it is, it's like anybody who has any kind of disadvantage or not needs to protect themselves. Like, when you talk about a fair fight, like, what does that mean? There is mm. no such thing as a fair fight. Like, either, let's say it's an 80-pound woman and a 200-pound man. Is that a fair fight? Two 200-pound men, but one of them has a knife. Is that a fair fight? Like, right. there's always some sort of, like, dynamic. And even when it's just man-on-man, if there's weight difference, if there's size difference, muscle difference, anything like that, it's never a fair fight. So many factors. Ex exactly. So, in the world where there's no such thing as a fair fight, then... How do you protect yourself or how do you get safer? And I feel like, again, being a female and also being like a CEO and being an instructor is really important to me because every day I see these wonderful, beautiful women walking around New York City and their heads down on their phone or their headphones are on or their hoodies are up and they're not paying any attention. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness, like that's dangerous. Like what if someone snuck up behind you or grabbed you and threw you in your car, or even for men too? Like what if a man just snuck up behind that other man and threw him in his yeah. car and kidnapped him? What do you do? It's all about building that level of like awareness and just protecting yourself. So it's not about hurting other people and violence, but being empowered and confident that you could protect yourself if you really had to and protect your loved ones. Like what if you and your baby were walking to the park and somebody mugged you? How do you effectively protect yourself and your child? Things right. like that. So point being, in my instructor training course was the hardest thing I've ever done, physically, mentally, period. Just a really sheer traumatizing experience. So the owner of the school, wonderful man, Danny Zelig, who I love, and I also consider a mentor as well. He, his mantra in life and do the entire course every day when we were exhausted and beat up and punching each other in the face and cut and bruised and things were torn and broken, he'd be like, all right, time to do this. And he's like, oh, no, I don't want to do this. He was like, all right, guys, reset, take 30 seconds, take a breath, and then come back on the mat and say, fuck it. And we're like, hmm? And every day, it was just like, when you don't want to do something or you have to do something you don't want to do or you don't have to do something, whatever the scenario is, fuck it and then do it or fuck it and don't do it. And just was like the, getting that grain of like, just go ahead and make it happen. Right. You At least want try. To. At least try. At least yeah. try. Or just get rid of the hesitation. Don't think about it. Just do it. Yeah. And I was like, huh. So through that course, that was really like something every day I thought like, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to do it. Oh, I don't want to do it. Or and then especially in life now, when I have hesitation on bigger problems, I'm like, oh, what if I fail at this thing? I'm not sure. Should I do that? Or even should I send that email? I don't know. And then I'm just like, fuck it. I'm going to send it. I'm going to do it. So I feel like that's been. <laughs> I totally agree with that. I kind of tongue in cheek, uh, jokingly say with friends sometimes, I'm like, oh, live a little, like, fuck it, you know, yeah. just as a, it's like, ha ha that I'm saying that. But I also do really think that it's true. It's like, if you're not going to try at that, or at least say yes. like, 
I'm going to go for it and, and just see what happens. And you're never going to know otherwise. So you yes. might as well just say fuck it and try. Exactly. I feel like the number one thing I hear from either a lot of my friends or either other women in the industry or anyone is like, other females is a good example. Oh, I can never run a company. Well, I, I've got, I can't do that. I don't know how to be a leader. I don't know how to, and so many reasons why they're stopping themselves. And I'm like, why? I'm like, I see you. Sometimes I'm very, very smart and, you know, perceptive. I think you'd be a great leader. So why don't you think you could be a good leader? And like having that conversation where I just was like, just change your perspective of like, you're limiting yourself. So get into the habit of being like, and I could run a company. Why right. not? Let's right. do this. Like, <laughs> that like so much of the time it's your own mental block that's right. preventing you from getting mm-hmm. past or through whatever it is you're trying to do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, I feel like that. that's a big killer of everyone in terms of psychology, stopping yourself before the world has stopped you. Why? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like why put another impediment up, right? right, right. There's so many impediments. There's plenty of other things that with. will stop you. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like you got to be your own person. Yes. I that. love that. So what what is your ideal chill out day entail? What do you like to do and when and if? I hope that you can, but when and <laughs> if you actually get to just hang out and chill, what do you like to do? Yeah, that's a great question. So to your point about when and if, I do feel like <laughs> I can't ever think of a day where I chilled out. <laughs> like I have like an ideal day of like things that aren't work related. So okay, we'll take for, that. Yeah, yeah. That's so acceptable. It's like, for me, it's much more on like the... I have the most fun when I'm exploring something new, learning something new with the people I love. So kind of any backdrop, like to me, a great scenario would be, this is actually a a good way to frame it. So I'm getting married next year. Oh my God. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Very excited. It is very exciting. I I just don't want to have to plan the thing, but then it'll be very fun. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I've heard. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just getting a lot of feedback as well in that department. (laughs) Oh, and you're like, sometimes I want it, sometimes I don't at all. Yes. So (laughs) point being in this world, the reason I bring it up is because to me, it's like, I want my wedding day to be my ideal day or perfect day or whatever people dream about, yada, yada, yada. And to me, it's like, one, I'd love to have it in a a beautiful destination. So we're hopefully planning it for Italy, for example. So a beautiful place that I love. And I was like, what more could I want than having in a beautiful destination? Bring all of my friends and family to this beautiful destination. And then thirdly, most importantly, I think, Having amazing food and wine, just having what access to some of the most delicious things and culinary experience, where I'm just like, I'm having a huge party with the people I love in a beautiful location with amazing food, and what could possibly be better than that? Oh, yeah. So in my mind, perfect day, perfect chill day, fun day, whatever it is, is any combination of, even if it's even if it's locally in New York City, a day just spent with friends and family, doing something you love, great food, having a good time, relaxing, like, that's probably where I'm the happiest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, how could you not be happy in that scenario, I, right? Yes. Especially the if there's wine involved. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> oh man, well, that's going to be a beautiful day. We'll find out. We'll find <laughs> out. <laughs> I, have, I have full confidence that it's going to be a beautiful day. <laughs> Amazing. So I guess one last thing that I'm just thinking about. So I know that you kind of tangentially mentioned that, you know, when you were younger, you thought that you maybe you were going to be a vet or a chef or mm-hmm. something. Did you ever see yourself in tech when you were younger? Did you have any conception of being in tech? And if that changed, when did it change? Like, can you point to a specific point in time where you're like, okay, like maybe I do want to be in tech? Or are you still like, I don't even know if there's if I'm there? <laughs> That's funny. That's a great question. Yeah. So I definitely felt like when I was younger... When I was younger, even before the idea of tech, I was just like, I don't even know what I want to do. Like, 
I I don't know I don't if I want to be a business person. I want I want all I knew is that I wanted to help people or help animals or do good or like I was like I just want to do something that seems fulfilling, which is maybe the dream of like a lot of young people. Like yeah. I just want to. I think it's a good dream to have. Right. We're just, we're just like I just want to help people. I want to help animals. I want to help whatever it is. Like the thing that you know, insert career or whatever. Right. That helps. That comes later. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's always like. I had no idea where I belonged, and I never was an industry or a thing where it's like, that's where this is going to fit. Like, other than obviously, I want to be a vet. I can help animals. But it was like a very static, like, this is the only career I can understand helps animals. And then as I got older, I never considered technology just because I didn't have, there's not a lot of exposure to it, I feel, when you're in high school or even in college. Like, you don't really get an education about, like, here are the kinds of industries and maybe now you do. But when I was growing up, it wasn't like in high school we had a class on technology and what that even means and how it works in the entire world there. So as I kind of got older and then accidentally found those first key jobs that I really loved at those big tech companies, I was like, wow. I started to realize technology, one, is this huge and growing industry that every day has exciting and new innovations that help people or connect people. I'm like, that's amazing. I was like, maybe in this world, going down this path, I'll find something I haven't even thought of or the world has never seen where I can find a way to help people, connect people, help animals, whatever it is I want to do, it exists in technology because the entire world is about innovation. And I was like mystified by this and excited by that aspect of like, I never thought as a kid I could create something. And now as an adult or even relatively young adult, I was like, I can make whatever I want to do whatever I want rather than fitting into an existing box or mold. So I know where I am. I completely relate to that. I think when I was a kid, the only idea of technology I had was like playing Oregon Trail. Did you ever play <laughs> yeah, that yeah, like Tamagotchi was really cool. Yeah. And I'm like, like is yeah. this tech? Yeah, exactly. No, totally. I think it's so true. And I think especially now where, you know, we're trying to get girls and women more mm-hmm. involved in tech too, I think having – more programming or something for people when they're younger before they even get to a point where they've already decided what they want to do or they've already gone down that road, you know, get just more exposure, I think, is so necessary. Yeah, I totally agree. Like all the new programs I hear popping up, like, you know, Code Academy type stuff for young women or just any kind of program where you're just like, when they're learning a skill, which to me was when I learned a very hardcore skill, like, for example, Salesforce administration, it was like, oh, this is a tool I have to learn to use. This is really boring. When I had that skill, I became really invaluable. Right. And so giving young girls or any young person just similar concrete skills they can use into a system that is valuable and then let them grow and then discover their own skills and what they want to create is huge in terms of just like a shift in perspective. Like as a kid, I was like, okay, there's like, you know, maybe like 10 universities out there and there's like, you know, five different jobs I can pick. Mm, I hope I pick one of the five that I like. And then growing up in this like, I never once considered as a very young person that I could create the job or the industry or the role, whatever that was. And it's just, I think that message should be told to young people. And then growing up with a totally different perspective, different world, I think will be a huge benefit to the universe. (laughs) I totally agree. It will. Exactly. It's not just for that person's life. It's for everyone. Not just them. Because you don't know what they'll create. They create something that saves lives or, you know, extends lives or creates new life, whatever it is. Like you... You have an unlimited universe of possibilities and giving someone access to that mentality, I think you'll find beautiful things will happen. 
I love that. And that's also a pretty great note to end on. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Yes, I know yes. we're going to get you back somewhere down the road. I would love to. You are awesome, Lucy. Oh, thank, thank you so much. It was super fun. Thank you, May. <laughs> and happy Friday. Yes. <laughs> this was In Conversation. Want to talk? Contact us at info at agnesintelligence.com. Till next time.